right. And so I, I just want to, yeah. So, yeah, amen. say that I know these people and they are not just going woohoo you know they actually mean thank you from the bottom of their heart for all you do but I just want to say to you guys as well don't just applaud them actually use your hands to pray for them as well because they are doing awesome awesome things for the church and for the nation so don't just do it now when you leave here hold them in your prayers Let's do that now. Why don't we stretch out our hand to Father for all that they're going to do and release amongst us this morning. Father, would you pour it back as they drive back up to London? Would they go with rejoicing in their hearts, with fresh vision and revelation for the, the next weeks and months? Father, we just want to place them under your protection as a community. We want to speak the blood of Jesus over their household, over their ministries, over their marriage, over their children. We want to thank you, Lord, that Though they will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will lead them. And that they, you prepared a banqueting table, even when they're surrounded by enemies, that they will feast on your presence. Thank you, that, Lord, that a thousand will fall at their left and ten thousand on their right, but it will not come near them, or their children, or in the fullness of time, their grandchildren. We prophesy multi-generational, serving the Lord with passion and fire for the, for the salvation and restoration of this nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> and I just wanted to say, we've asked them to do a commercial, and they have a free gift with a string attached, which Gavin will tell you about. We're going to watch a video, then they're going to preach to us. And I just want to warn us, guys, we're going to need to collect the children on time, but we might go a bit late today. So just brace yourselves. Might go a little bit late today. Brace yourselves. So we're going to watch the video about... Yeah. We are the Evangelical Alliance. We want everyone in the UK to have the opportunity to know Jesus. We are an alliance of evangelicals, of churches and charities, entrepreneurs, grandmas, colleagues, neighbours, friends, loving God, serving each other, declaring with one voice Jesus is our King. We are an alliance of evangelicals cheering each other on as we seek to be salt and light in the world. You'll find us everywhere. In places of influence. And where people are hurting the most. In parliament. In government. Speaking out on issues that matter the most. We're transforming communities. Changing lives. With the amazingly good news of Jesus. We are the Evangelical Alliance. We pray, speak, listen, and share. Through challenging times and choppy waters. We stand together and serve each other. We are the Evangelical Alliance. Together, we're making Jesus known.
Good afternoon. Um, thank you so much for that before. That was amazing. And before that happened during the worship, I did feel, so this is not just a mutual appreciation society, but I did feel prompted that it would only be right, Rosanne and I here, to honour your leaders here. I have to say, yeah, I have to say, um, these guys are amazing. You know, when we were at Bible college, I'm not sure people picked us lot out as the ones to still... Uh, I mean, I'm doing well not to be in prison, according to some of the people at Bible college. But these guys were amazing. And forgive me, I travel all over the UK. Um, you go, you'd have to go a long way to find more significant, godly, spirit-filled, humble and kind leaders. And forgive me, but I see some of the dross out there. You guys don't appreciate the difference. And... But individually as well, I would, uh, we learn a lot. I'd love to have James's soft heart. I'd love to love Jesus like you love. I've got a long way to go, but amazing. And, and Lou is just a bit of a pocket rocket, isn't she? I mean, <laughs> I'm not being funny. Underestimated at your peril. And I remember last year, I was one of the first uh, leaders of any, I hate the word prominence, but out there, to be very outspoken about the Church of England needing to sort itself out. And the first two responses I noticed on social media was one from someone we were at Bible college with who absolutely slaughtered me. And one was Lou. And I was like, she wasn't the slaughtering, just to be clear. And, and to put your head above the parapet, to speak up, to speak out, just the way you guys are leading is amazing. And uh, I just think the Lord says you haven't seen anything yet. And... Uh, and the, the price tag's going to get higher, but it's worth it. So, Lord, we just pray your blessing on James and Lou. We thank you for them. We pray you would grow their prophetic imaginations for what's possible. Lord, I pray as well sometimes for perspective. Lord, we get a bit scared of a few secular humanists here, and our brothers and sisters are losing their lives for reading the Bible. So pray for a bit of perspective too, Lord. But I do pray you would drive them forward. They would love you more. Pray for their four kids, Lord. They would grow to know and love you more than they do now. And I just pray for us here, Lord. Wouldn't it be amazing if you started a revival in somewhere that a lot of people where we live wouldn't have heard of. Wouldn't it be amazing if you did something, Lord, in, in a rural place that transformed a nation? So why not here, Lord? And why not under their leadership? So do great things, we pray. Amen. Amen. And do keep praying for them. And one thing in leadership, I think, that we don't do enough is say thank you. You know, we're very quick to say when we're not happy. But thank you goes a long way, doesn't it? So uh, perhaps we'll overwhelm them with some thanks at the end. Um, but I don't know about you, but I find it unintelligent, unhelpful, opportunistic, and dare I say inappropriate for people to use their sermons to advertise their ministries. So instead, <laughs> so instead of using my sermon, I thought I'd just talk about EA for a few minutes now, if that's all right, having been invited to do so. Now, the Evangelical Alliance was started in 1846 with two aims. Unite the church in reaching the lost in every corner of the UK. And secondly, give the church a clear and effective and united voice into the corridors of power. 180-odd years later, we still exist for those two things. Now, let's just own something straight away. That evangelical word, right? It's not redundant, but it does need redeeming. You know, it only really means four things. One, we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. Stop changing scripture to accommodate your culture and start changing your culture with the truth on the pages of the word of God. You're right, James, we're going to be here a while. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the single most important thing in human history. Thirdly, the need for conversion. You don't come to faith by osmosis. We're not all going to heaven anyway. You get on your knees and you surrender your life to Jesus. And fourthly, we're active in the world, making the world more like the kingdom. 
That's why evangelicals led the abolition of the slave trade, provided education before anyone else. In recent years, have come up with and delivered street pastors, Christians Against Poverty, food banks. And the Evangelical Alliance is the oldest and largest unity organization seeking to bring together the UK's evangelicals. We're a member organization made up of 3,000 churches, 23,000 individuals, and 500 organizations. And we come together to try and make Jesus known. Now, here's the thing, friends. Go profoundly deep in your postcode. Don't let people like me get in your way locally. Go for it. Love your place. Do all you can as a church, but be connected to the national story. There are far more of us in this nation than people want to believe. And we need to stand together to make Jesus known and speak up on the hard issues. And you know, right now, our access to the corridors of power is greater than it's been in living memory. In the last six weeks alone, I've been in number 10. I've been in the leader of the opposition's office. We've been, um, this week, I'm, going to the, I'm doing a Senate, which is the Welsh Parliament, online prayer gathering for all the members of the Senate. And on Thursday, I'm going to a small faith leaders gathering with the front benches from the Labour Party to talk about what we need to do. Now, it's not me going. It's the alliance going. The EA is not a staff team. We have a staff team. But the alliances, the churches, the orgs, and the individuals, and we will keep speaking up and speaking out. You know, we're speaking on some really hard stuff. Let me be honest. I mean, we were the only faith group spoke directly with the government on conversion therapy legislation. Now, let me be clear. We think that abusive practices are absolutely abhorrent and wrong. Every one of them is already illegal. However, the unintended consequences of that bill would have stopped you preaching at the front of this church that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, that's a problem. That's not deliberately against the church. It's an unintended consequence. So we're simply in the space saying, on behalf of all these people, no. We're speaking up and out on assisted dying and and other fun issues, but also on other things like the freedom to say, Jesus is the only way to God, and there is no contesting that, and that is not hateful. That's just truth. And people often say, well, what real difference does the membership make? I tell you, the bigger the membership, the louder the voice. And my favorite issue that we've dealt with in my nine years at EA was when the government said they wanted to offstead all youth work and Sunday schools. Do you remember that? Absolutely bonkers suggestion. Public regulation of private religion. When have I moved to North Korea? I mean, honestly, if you dissect this, a faith illiterate culture is going to work out how well we're discipling our kids. That is bonkers and an absolute attack on religious freedom so we simply went in and said on behalf of all these members there's no way you can do this this is outrageous explain the reality and for now it's kicked into the long grass why because we speak with one voice and going forward the church membership and the orgs are really important but the individual membership is the currency of our day we can't help that we're living in an individualized culture so we're always asked how many people are individually membered with you And so therefore, we've set ourselves a target to grow it, because that is the access to everyone up to Rishi Sunak, or dare I say, someone new soon. But you know, that's, and that's not a political comment, it just seems where we're going. But but that is is the access. So we've set ourselves a target, we were 18,000 members just over a year ago, we're at 23,000 now, but we want to get to 50,000 in the next 10 years. Why? That's the same membership as the Lib Dems. Bear with me, we're not a political party. 50,000 EA members, a new Prime Minister rings me, not the other way around. Friends, there is something about scale. Also, in addition to that, for everyone signed up, there's an assumption 20 to 25 other people are with you. So 50,000 individuals means we can talk millions, not hundreds of thousands, alongside 3,000 churches. Here's the thing, friends. In our culture, the loudest boos so often come from the cheapest seats. The smallest groups are the least hold within our culture. We don't want to be rightsy, but we want to just say, there's bucket loads of us. We are here to help. Can we help? I was with two peers in the House of Lords a few weeks ago, and they said to me, can you just change your views? I said, yeah, because I was feeling naughty that day. I said, yeah, 
I'll change all my views. But in return, you will lose seven billion pounds of common good in the culture. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, the evangelical church does seven billion pounds a year to help society. We do it for free. They said, well, why can't you do that and change your views? I said, no, 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 no. You either have my Jesus and you have my hands, or you don't have my Jesus and you don't have my hands. In the end, you have got to give us the freedom to express who we are and why we are whilst we bless society too. And they said, oh, okay, we'll keep the seven billion. <laughs> Friends, we will keep speaking up and speaking out. So I unashamedly ask you this morning, and I will, well, I know we need to preach, Anne. I unashamedly ask you, if you're not a personal member of the EA, would you just become one? It's £3 a month. That, round here, that's less than a cup of coffee a month. As an individual or a couple. Here's the thing. If you're married, don't even check with your spouse. It counts as two. If you sign up as two, it counts as two when I go to meet the Labour Party this week. Friends, we would love to stand together. Go deep here, but be connected to the national story. And here's the thing as well. It is blooming hard to lead the Evangelical Alliance in this day. I'll be honest about that. I am an ultimate Marmite figure. I get nice feedback like this on social media. At Gav Calver, you are the scum of the earth and they're going to burn in hell. Hashtag, love wins. <laughs> so, so those that are with us, would you please stand with us? And if you do, I'm going to give you a present like James said. Why? I like you. Why else? I'm just going to be honest. I've said to my board I'm giving at least the next decade to trying to unite evangelicals in sharing the gospel and to speak up on the hard issues. Frankly, I'll give you whatever it takes to stand with us. I can help one of you with a kidney. Anyway, in this box, <laughs> in this box there's a few things. Firstly, Unleashed, mine and Anne's latest book. What does it mean to live like the Acts Church today? Secondly, one of my favourite EA resources called Speak Up. I am sick of people getting their understanding of how and where you can share the gospel from the media. The media don't understand this. We need to get it from the law. So we did this with the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. Here's the thing, friends. More freedom to share the gospel in the UK than any country on earth. Use those freedoms or your children and your children's children won't have them. Yeah. People say, what's your one tip for not getting into trouble for sharing your faith? Here it is. Share it as much as you can. Your faith is a protected characteristic in law alongside ethnicity, gender, sexuality. The more you talk about Jesus, the more protected you are. You're only unprotected if you never talk about him in every five years, try and make everyone become a Christian. Don't do that. Just talk about Jesus loads. And then finally in this box, there's other things. If this doesn't swing the deal, I'm out of, I'm out of ideas. It's my EA key ring. Bear with me. That's got a logo on. It's a fake detachable quid. In our increasingly, increasingly cashless society, when you need a supermarket trolley, you'll be so grateful you joined. When you need a... <laughs> When you need a locker at the gym, happy days. All I ask, genuinely, each time you use it, would you pray the three things I use mine to pray? That the church would be united. That the voice of the church would be heard effectively in all layers of society. And that together we'd make Jesus known. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I ask for your forgiveness for overselling in your house. But you do know how pure the motive is, even if the method is a tad del boy. Lord, we do long for your church to be united in this land. We really do, not just in our town, in this land. And I pray that we would be united, that the world would want to know you. I pray, Lord, for the voice of your church to be heard effectively. Lord, I pray you'd give us the eyes of the prophet to see the opportunities, not just the closed doors. Forgive us, Lord, where we think our society is closed off to us when actually they just don't, they're not aware of us. Help us to speak up and out. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to make you known. Lord, the longing of all our hearts is is not just to stand up for Christian values, but to see people surrender their lives to you. I pray, Lord, you would captivate our hearts with you afresh. And out of that, there'd be an overflow to those who don't yet know you. And as we turn to look at your word now, I pray you'd be close to us. I pray with the fun. Why would your people gather and not have fun together? 
So as we share with our friends over the next 19 or 20 hours or so, <laughs> we just invite you to speak. Amen. Oh, how do you follow that? Seriously. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, we won't keep you forever, I promise. Um, it's such a joy to be with you. Such a joy. It really feels like, I feel emotional because it feels like family. Um, and it just feels like a safe space. And it very rarely feels like that um, where we go. So I just thank you, James and Lou, for having us and for welcoming us. And yeah, we, we are going to go dig into the Word. We're going to turn to chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, if you want to turn it on or open it up. Um, we're going to look at verses 1 to 10. And yeah, we're going to talk about being faithful followers in this hour that we're living in. Um, I just, I feel, I feel like just compelled just to share this um, before I go any further. And that, that was just that when we were worshipping, I just, I felt like there was a few people in the room who were grieving at the moment. Um, yeah, and, and just there was a sense of the Lord just reminding me that he wept that he wept with Lazarus, that he wept with Mary and Martha over Lazarus, and it was that the Lord's saying that he's weeping with you, and his heart is breaking with yours, and, and for some people, like, there's real, real grief that you're um, in the middle of um, right now, um, and, I, and for some reason, I just, in particular, as I was praying over that, I just felt like it was related for maybe one person related to the Middle East, and I don't know how or why that would be, but I just felt that that was important to say. So, yeah, Lord, I just want to pray for anyone in the room in this moment, Lord, who is grieving, who is mourning, um, yeah, just, just that pain in their heart right now. Lord, I ask that you would pour the oil of your spirit into those wounds, into that place in their heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you come, that you weep with us when we weep, that you mourn with us when we mourn. Thank you, Lord. And I just speak healing into those wounds. I just ask for your presence to become so tangible to those who are in that place today. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we chose this passage because Gav and I are living, as you've already heard, just in quite an, a moment, I think, in history. And, and the church in the UK are living in quite a fascinating moment. And I think it is getting harder to stand for our faith. Although we do have amazing freedom, it is getting harder. And there is a sense of the battles increasing. Um, but the move of God that is coming is also going to happen. And so it's battles and blessings, isn't it? It's both and. And actually that the Lord's saying, you know, keep your eyes on me through what's coming. Keep your eyes fixed. Come up higher and keep looking at me and focusing on me and looking to what I'm saying, not at the world around you. And in this moment in chapter 2 of Timothy, to Timothy, Paul is actually waiting to be executed. It's like his final word to Timothy before he's killed. I just, even that, just like, I just find overwhelming that he's writing in this moment right before he's about to die, um, that he's not just like licking his own wounds, that he's not just turning in on himself, that he's grabbing hold of the moment to say, Timothy, keep running, 
Timothy, keep going. Timothy, be strong in the Lord. And, and he's there and he's no doubt chained to a, a soldier in prison um, in this moment. And no doubt, you know, I don't know what the emotions must have been like, how he must have felt in that moment, but it must have been pretty hardcore, right? And there he is writing these words. Let's stand, shall we, while we read it. I know that's something you guys do. I love it. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Amen. Amen. Whoa, just feel the presence of the Lord just on those words, the living, active word of God right to us right now in this hour. And I just think, wow, just how incredible that, um, so I'm so shaken by this morning, forgive me. Lord, I just want to pray that only what you want to say comes through today, only what you want to bring forth from our lips in this moment that we stand in, Jesus. And I just want to get out of the way for you, Holy Spirit, just to do whatever you want to do and just surrender right now. Surrender what I've got in my notes, surrender what I've thought of saying and just surrender to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So there's three occupations that are named in this moment. And the first one is that of a soldier, of a soldier. And he's saying, be a good soldier, not a bad soldier, a good soldier. Be a soldier in this moment that you're in, Timothy. Stand strong and be a soldier. And I was just reflecting on that. And just this reality that, you know, if you decide to like sign into the army, if you decide to become a soldier, you're deciding to live a life that is completely different to a normal human life, isn't it? You're enlisting into something and saying, I'm leaving this behind because I'm going all in with what this means, with this mission for God. And I, and I feel like the Lord is calling us in this moment to be those people who say, do you know what? We are going to step in to what God is asking us to do. And we, we are enlisting into a kingdom 
move that is coming. And I feel like we've been actually in a season where God has been saying, I'm raising up an army. I'm raising up an army, an army that are prepared to lay down the way of the world and follow the way of the Spirit. So actually what we're enlisting to is is shaking off everything of the world to go with the way of the Spirit. And every one of us is learning right now how to live according to what the Spirit is saying and not according to what the world is saying. And we've begun to step into an awakening in this hour. And so our senses are beginning to wake up and we're beginning to see things that we never saw before and hear things we weren't hearing before and feel things that we weren't feeling before. And it's the Lord saying, I am equipping you and I am training you and I am anointing you to fight in my battles. And this fight isn't a fight, is it, against flesh and blood? It's against the rulers and the principalities of this dark world. It's the Ephesians fixed cry, um, cry of the and the Lord saying, "Get armoured up because I need you to know how to stand in the days that are coming, in the darkness that's coming." And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy: Stand. Stand your ground no matter what comes. And I was just thinking as we were worshiping about Nehemiah and just thinking about this kind of focus of Nehemiah in the midst of battle that, he, that they were literally getting attacked on every side and yet they were saying, we are going to build this wall and we are not quitting And there's this intimidation that comes against Nehemiah and his enemies try and distract him, take him off course, lead him in different directions. And he's there saying, I am not going to be afraid. I am not going to be intimidated. I am not going to be distracted. I am going to go where God is calling me to go. And I, and I felt like that the Lord has something very significant for you as a church in this area, in this hour. And there's a focus that's needed from all of you together to stand side by side by side, a weapon in one hand and a way of building in the other and say, we will have each other's backs and we will not back down. And we will not get distracted from the mission because the enemy will try and come and rob you of what the Lord is wanting to do. And I feel that in particular, fear is a big thing and intimidation is a big thing. And the Lord says, you may feel weak, I will make you strong. You may think you can't do it, I am with you and I am faithful and I am mighty. And he's saying here, be good soldiers, choose to enlist. Are we those that are saying, I'm in God, no matter what the cost? Now, I think this is really important because to to be a successful athlete, we must train and obey the rules so as not to be disqualified. The Lord is looking for those who will make sacrifices to obey him over their own wants you know, I mentioned earlier about the individualized nature of society. When did, when did me, when did I become God? You know, it's almost like, am I happy? Am I okay? Am I? Whereas actually, the athlete sometimes puts down their own desires to pursue something else. And the Lord is calling for us to be obedient to his ways, not just our own. There is no great move of God that didn't start with prayer and obedience. Every great move of God starts with people on their knees and people saying, yes, I will do that, Lord, even though it may not be what I would choose. And I think for some of us, we need to to train and be prepared to be subservient to the will of God and crack on. I'm a bit of a runner. Not a very good runner, but a bit of a runner. And I once ran a race against Mo Farah. Um, It's called the London Marathon. And um, he he, he beat me by quite a long way. 
But when I ran the London Marathon, you know, if you train properly, the first 13 miles are fine. Absolutely fine. But then you run over Tower Bridge. And it's the only point at which the elite athletes are on the other side of the road to you. The rest of the time, you don't see them. They're at 23 miles. You're at 13. They're not even sweating. You look like you're dying. It's a bit demoralizing. Then you get to the next bit. It's really boring. I love London, but Docklands is proper boring to run through. And there are very few supporters at that point. And you're in this really dull bit. And you get 16, 17 miles, and you're really struggling. Then you see the London Eye for the first time. And you start thinking, oh, it can't be far now. Even though the London Eye is about this big when you first see it. And it's, it's quite a long way away. And at this point, people start doing something really silly. When you run a marathon, you must never stop. doesn't matter how slowly you run, don't stop. So people start stopping to stretch or to walk a bit. Don't do that. Now, there were people walking faster than I was running. But the key is, don't stop running. If you stop running, then your brain says, oh, thank you, Jesus, it's time to stop. And your body seizes up. So I'm running slower and slower, but I'm still going. And I, I agreed before the marathon, I wouldn't take anything off anyone on the side. By this point, I'm taking everything. There's, there's sweets, then there's chocolate, then there's Vaseline, and it's all with the same hand. We won't talk about that. And you just keep going. And it's really hard. And people are all over the place stopping to stretch. Now, what I'd said to Anne as well was, don't tell me where you're going to be. Go to a few places. Don't tell me where you're going to be. Because, fellas, you understand this, right? You run a marathon. You walk for 100 metres. That'll be when your missus turns up, isn't it? So, so I didn't know where she'd be in spite of certain places. And I kept going, but it was really hard. And I kept going. And I got to the sign by the mile that says 200 metres to go. The marathon had gone wrong. I was trying to do under four hours. But the marathon had gone wrong. But one of my donors, I was doing it for Youth for Christ, one of my donors had said, I will double my 1,000 to 2,000 pounds if you do it in under four and a half hours. I got to 200 meters to go. I looked at the sign and, and, and I looked at my watch. I was four hours, 29 and 11 seconds. Now, here's the problem, friends. I can't sprint at any time. I am built for power, not for speed. There is no thing above second gear. But I thought to myself, what would I do for 1,000 pounds to reach lost kids? Anything. So I started sprinting. It was a bit like Phoebe from Friends or Kermit the Frog or arms and legs everywhere. And I got over the finish line in four hours, 29, 58 seconds. <laughs> but the key was this, keep going. There's lots of people that ran it faster than me, but they didn't actually run the London Marathon. They ran, walked the London Marathon. For some of us, right, it's very easy to stop, get distracted, when actually it doesn't matter what pace you're going at, just keep going. And with the Lord, we need to just keep moving forward. And it doesn't matter if it's not quite working how you want it to, just don't stop, keep focused. You know, right now in the nation, and I travel around a lot, I have never known so many doubters starting to believe. I've never known so many people that I thought would never be interested in faith, looking for something else. I've never known the secular stories feel so shallow. I've never known some of the things where we thought we were being overtaken 18 months ago. Suddenly it feels like, hang on, how could you possibly cope without Jesus? I've never known Richard Dawkins tweet so many things that seem to suggest he's having a God moment. It's amazing. However, at the same time, I've never known so many believers starting to doubt. I've never known so many Christians starting to question stuff, so many Christians starting to, to lose their fire a bit or back off a bit. Friends, the enemy wants to distract us so that at the moment when the culture is starting to believe, the believers start to doubt, and then the opportunity is missed when actually we need to just keep going. And I know we're in pain, I know we're finding it hard, but, but I don't know about you, I don't trust anyone that doesn't walk with a limp. If you don't walk with a limp, you're either delusional or you live in Disneyland. We've all got pain. But I don't know about you, I want to limp with my pain forwards with Jesus towards those who don't know him. The, the athlete is moved to a place of maturity for the races yet to come. 
the Lord wants to do this for us, for having our laid down lives for a heavenly prize. I think we need to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. I was at a parliamentary prayer breakfast. It sounds far more exciting than it is. But it's a load of MPs and a load of church people getting together to pray in the commons once a year. And I was at this, and I was on this table with a few MPs, and there was, a, there was this guy who was Iranian. He's an Iranian pastor. He's, he's had to move here seeking asylum because he was, his life was under threat because he was just seeing the gospel explode so much. Iran's the fastest growing church in the world, which is amazing, isn't it? And uh, he said to me, what can I pray for for your country? I said, could you pray that we'd see the same growth without the persecution, please? <laughs> he starts to pray in Farsi, and about three lines in, he starts to weep over the UK. I'm so challenged, right? I'm no James Decas. I don't stand up and weep all the time. It doesn't happen very often. These, the tear ducts work, but only when Wimbledon lose a cup final or something. So, you know, it, I was so challenged, Lord. When did I last weep over the UK? Don't get me wrong. I'm passionate. I'm sold out. But when did I last fall to my knees and just weep? The instinct of this guy from another nation, when he prayed about the salvation of my own, was to see tears flow down his face as he wept the tears of God over the lost. Then five days later, I'm at a leaders' conference I'm speaking at. And there's a church leader there from Ukraine. Now, if you're in Ukraine and you're over 55, he was 57, you're allowed a week out a year for spiritual retreat if you are a pastor. He'd come to this conference. He said to me through translation, there's nothing like a war for church growth. He says his church has gone from 100 to over 1,000 during the war. And he says, what can I pray for for you? I says, well, could you pray that we'd see that kind of growth in the UK, but without a war? He starts to pray in Ukrainian, and a few lines in, he starts to weep. The Lord was not being subtle with me. It was, Gav, when is your heart going to break more so that you would keep the main thing the main thing and weep over the lost? Friends, we're in a time of being trained. And I think for some of us, actually, the thing we most need is to say, Lord, break my heart, not for the messages around me, not for the things around me that tell me I need this thing or this thing, or if the economy turns here, this will be fine, or, or the new God of the world politics, or if this changes. But actually, Lord, just break my heart for those who don't know you. Take me back to the very basics of what it means to be a follower of you. Give me the obedience of the athlete and send me to my knees, weeping over those who don't know you. And I think as we do that as well, there are two things needed in this season that are really unfashionable. First is this, holiness. I've had enough, particularly in my sphere of work, if you like, high-profile Christian leaders losing it or blowing it in the last two or three years. It's unbelievable. You'll have heard news stories. A lot of these people are my friends. And you're like, none of them woke up in the morning and thought, how can I act in a way that's not godly? But little things went unchecked. Little moments of, oh, do you know what? I can get away with this. And, and then those little things become a big thing. And then you're consumed. Friends, we need to get away from the where is the line culture. You know, where is the line? How much can I get away with before Jesus gets upset? Forget that. There is no line. That's asking how much sinning can I do before I upset Jesus? That's a bonkers question. Instead, we need to say, how do I relentlessly pursue Jesus? Be like him. And if in doubt, don't do it. If in doubt, pursue holiness. And alongside holiness, we need to pursue spiritual disciplines. If we're going to be able to deal with some of the storms coming our way, and if we're going to be the believers who do not doubt, then we need to go deeper with the Lord. Stronger disciplines of prayer, stronger times in the Word of God. For all of us, stronger patterns of fasting. But just saying and showing to the Lord, with my life, with all I am, I'm going to show the obedience of the athlete as I relentlessly follow you and seek to model your likeness. Amen. Amen. And then the third one, friends, is the farmer, the hard-working farmer. 
Um, and he's telling him, be like a hardworking farmer. Be one who sows the seed into people's hearts, who throws that seed out liberally. The word of God is the seed and onto the ground is the people's hearts, the people's hearts ready to receive the seed. And I've been, I was thinking about this quite a lot and thinking, do you know what? I feel like God has been saying, I want to work in your heart, Anne. I want to transform your heart and it will transform others as I transform yours. I know how many of you have felt that you've been going through a major cleansing and refining, you know, a throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so you can run the race. I feel like we've been in that space and actually we're running and we're throwing out the seed um, towards other people, but we're also being transformed by the seed of the living God going into our hearts and working in us in this moment. Anybody nodding at that? Yes, I'm going through that. And yes, I do know what you mean. Um, I left my job like uh, in the Baptist ministry over three and a half years ago now. Um, and I thought after that and leaving that space and stepping down that there might be, you know, in that obedience and in that sacrifice, you know, and in laying down my ordination that the Lord would then promote me somehow into, into a space that was like, I don't know, bigger, better, like, I don't know how, what I thought really. But actually the word of the Lord that came to me in that moment was, and now we're going to work on your heart. Now we're going to work on your heart. And so the last three years has been this intense kind of working in the soil of my heart and in my life. And it's been quite challenging. Um, one of the things I just felt to share with you was the word, the verse from this year that I've got is, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. From Psalm 34 and verse 4, that is genuinely my prayer that this year that I would be delivered from all all fear, that fear would not follow me through the days of my life. And I think one of the chief weapons of the enemy has been to try and hold us down in fear and in our culture to just say, no, don't stand up and speak. No, don't go and do that. No, don't move. Um, and fear has held us. And I've been saying, Holy Spirit, I don't care what it looks like, but here's my heart and go to work on it. And it's like climbing onto an operating table and saying, just take out my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Give me a heart that beats to the rhythm of your heart, Lord, if for this nation and for the people. And fear, if fear is there, it's in the way way of loving well, isn't it? it? It becomes like a wall that stands in the way of me loving other people. And, and just one example of that, like this year, and I've known this, just to confess to you, I've known it probably for about two years, that there's a table that I was meant to leave. But the reason that I didn't want to leave the table was because I was afraid of the reaction that might happen from the people at the table. And I was afraid of hurting people. I was afraid of letting people down. I was afraid of what people would think of me. I mean, these are just a few fears. To be honest, my list is endless and I've got a long way to go. Um, but I felt like the Lord again was saying, Anne, I'm still here asking you, will you leave this table? I'm still saying I will be with you if you leave this table. And so I like gathered up all the strength that I could possibly muster and said, Lord, you're just going to have to lead me. And I went and met with this couple and I sat with them and I said to them, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I have to leave the table. And it's not that I don't love you and it's not that I'm not with you and I'm not for you, but I need to leave the table. And it was one of the hardest things that I've had to do um, in the last couple of years. And I, I just think there's a loyalty in me. Like, I just want to be with you. I want to be for you. I want to see you flourish. And, but I was like, 
no, I have to obey God rather than men. I have to follow what the Spirit of God is saying rather than what the people are saying. And I think so often we come under the authority of other people rather than under the authority of God. And when we're talking about being soldiers and athletes and farmers, we have to come under the commanding officer. And the commanding officer in our case is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it's at his feet we bow and to his agenda that we surrender. And so I don't know maybe for some of you today whether the, there is that sense of like coming under someone else's authority in the wrong way. Obviously, we do need to obey others on some levels, right? But it's actually that God's word triumphs over every other word. And we're learning, I think, in this hour how to be trained for battle. And the, the beginning of that training is in hearing what he is saying and following his footsteps. That soldier that um, Paul was no doubt chained to in that cell was obeying his commanding officer. That soldier was doing what he was told by that commanding officer. And I think that Paul was looking at that right next to him and thinking, I'm going to only obey you, Lord Jesus. I'm only going to follow you no matter what the cost, no matter where that leads me. I want to stand in you and you alone. You're an amazing example of fear being the start, not the end of the, the process. I think that's true for all of us, isn't it? Fear's at the start. Is that going to be the end or is that going to be the prompt? I think finally, though, because that's been quite heavy, but there's some amazing news. The amazing news is this. We are living in the greatest moment for sharing the gospel in the UK in living memory for just about everyone in this room. Unless you were alive at the end of the Second World War, you have never been alive at a time when it's easier to share the gospel, where the response could be greater, and where the opportunity for the church to reach this nation has been at such a fertile state. Isn't that wonderful news? You know, in the passage, Paul was chained, but the word of God, the mission, the gospel was not. So often we can feel restricted, caged, or held back, but the gospel's not. Verse 9, God's word is not chained. You've literally got this moment. You know, often with scripture, I say, what does it look like? Not just what does it say? You know, don't you wish you'd been there when Moses saw the sea split? Two questions. How soggy is the ground? Second, what if there's a massive fish? Does that split and you can grab your own steak on the way through? I wish I knew. Or, or when Jesus rises from the dead in the Gospel of John, do you know what the first thing is he does? He folds up dirty washing. Mary and Joseph clearly raised Jesus really well, right? He's buried in two sheets. He, he rises from the dead. He folds up a sheet, but he doesn't fold the second one. At some point, he remembers, oh, hang on, I'm the saviour of the world. I've got more important things to be getting on with. Leaves a folded sheet and an unfolded sheet. In this passage, Paul is in chains. If ever there was an excuse to think the gospel couldn't be shared, he was in chains. But the gospel is unchained. And do you know who I feel sorry for in the passage? It's not Paul. It's whoever was guarding him. Because he thought, captive audience, and just cracked on and on and on. <laughs> we have an unchained gospel. We did some research in 2015 as EA that found that one in five non-Christians wanted a conversation with a Christian friend about their faith. Isn't that encouraging? They don't want to go to church. They don't want to go on a course. Disappointingly for people like me, they don't want to hear a sermon. They want to chat with a friend about the hope they have in Jesus. We redid that research about 18 months ago. It's gone down from one in five. It's now one in three. You only need to know three non-Christians. One of them is crying out for the hope you have. Can you believe that kind of openness? And they're not saying, I want to hear from an evangelist. They're saying, I want to hear from a friend. The season has come for an unchained gospel that we all get to play in sharing. 
Don't let the limits of mankind around you stop you from sharing. You know, William Booth, when um, him and Catherine Booth were, 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 uh, re- sorry, were recently married, and William Booth was totally struck by the state of the street people in London, and he wanted to reach the least, the last, and the lost for Jesus. So he went to this big gathering, and back in those days, the men and women sat separately. So the women were upstairs, the men were downstairs. William goes to the front, asks the presiding bishop if he can be commissioned and released to reach the street people. The bishop at the front says in front of everyone that he is not to waste his intellect and gifting on the least. He is built for something better and must use his giftedness on the gifted, not on the least. William Booth turns around, tail between his legs, walking towards his chair. Catherine breaks all the rules. She comes to the front of the, front of the balcony and shouts down, William, stop listening to men and start listening to God. If God is telling you to work with the least, I am with you, I am for you, and we can go together. That wasn't enough. So she broke more rules. She came downstairs into the bloke section, grabbed him by the arm, and dragged him out. And that day, they started the Salvation Army. Friends, do not let other things around you restrict you from what's possible. When we were at the EA, we made a load of videos on how to share your faith. And we made one of this lad called Ben in year nine at school. Year nine, we've got a lad in year nine, that's 13 and 14. If you can share your faith at school in year nine, you can share your faith anywhere. And this lad was proper on fire for Jesus, but his grandma didn't really know. I've got to be honest, I've got a 13-year-old lad, he's not that interested in his grandparents at the moment, maybe he's the exception, but I can understand why, why Ben and his grandma weren't chatting too much. <coughs> his grandma goes to church on a Sunday night. The pastor says, we're going to watch a video from the Evangelical Alliance on sharing your faith. It's her grandson. She cries a river as she watches her grandson talk about sharing his faith at school. Six chairs down from her is her friend Reg. Reg is 92. Reg has never shared his faith before. Reg stands up and says, I want to be like Ben. Everyone's looking up, what do you mean? He says, I want you to pray for me. I've never told anyone about Jesus. I want to be like Ben. So they they pray for Reg at 92 that he would share his faith. Reg then, in his own words, comes out to his best friend Tommy that he's a Christian. Never told him before. The next few weeks, Tommy comes to church. Six months later, Reg holds the towel as Tommy gets baptized. Friends, the rules are changing. Again, in that one, I love it that a 13-year-old lad teaches a 92-year-old because God doesn't have grandchildren. We're all his children. But the time has come for an unchained gospel where we share our faith. And friends, some of us will talk to a lamppost about Jesus. But even for those of us for whom it's hard, this is a more open season. I realized this at a funeral, and this is the last story, I promise you. I was at a funeral, and this lad comes towards me. I don't often notice another man's physicality. He was 25. He had muscles popping out of everywhere. He was in incredibly good shape. So he walked towards me. It was like looking in a mirror. And he came up to me. (laughs) And he came up to me, and he just started having a go. He said... He said, you and your wife did a program on TBN. We used to do this little program. You did a program on TBN and my mum loved it and you've stopped doing it and you must do some more because my mum is cross with you. I said, I'm sorry, mate. We can't do everything. He said, no, you haven't heard me. My mum's cross with you. You've got to do some more. I said, I'm sorry, mate. We can't do everything. He said, okay, well, let me tell you a story. He said, during the final lockdown, I got so bored that I watched four episodes of your program. I gave my life to Jesus. Now, let me explain. It wasn't very evangelistic. Because of Ofcom, you can't do that kind of stuff. It was me and Anne sat on a sofa talking about a Bible passage. You have to do less at the moment. We're living in a hopeless culture. Hope is a name. His name is Jesus. And we need to be the people bringing the influence, not being influenced. The soldier portrays a sense of priority. Friends, we are in urgent situation. We're living in wartime, not peacetime. It's urgent. 
The athlete models discipline. Boy, does the church need to do all it can to show with our lives what we live with our mouths. The farmer is a pattern of perseverance. Life is hard, but it's also glorious. The church needs these right now. Verse 7, reflect, ponder on these things. Anne and I believe that what the Lord requires in us is a bunch of faithful followers relentlessly pursuing him, going after him and making him known. The gospel is unchained. Will we all play our part in sharing it? But for many of us, we need to keep going like the soldier. We need to change our lives a little like the athlete. And we need to keep persevering like the farmer. And then I really believe in our lifetime, we're going to see something really significant for the kingdom here in the UK. Let's not forget, more people became Christians today than any day since Jesus rose from the dead. There's more people becoming Christians globally. People say to me, yeah, but what about here? I said, well, there's not a British section in heaven. <laughs> but I don't know about you, I long to see heaven populated with a few more people from the West too. Yes. Because we don't want it to stop anywhere else. Lord, in your mercy, multiply what you're doing globally. Yes. But might we see locally something wonderful? And you know all it takes? A bunch of people prepared to pray, prepared to obey, and to not stop, to keep going. Let's pray, shall we? Think. Just the very first thing that I'd love to bring to us is, I wonder if some of us just need God to soften our hearts. You know, some of us just need to actually start to weep about our communities. Like that Iranian pastor and that Ukrainian pastor who instinctively, when they prayed for the people of the UK to come to know Jesus, they wept and they felt the compassion of God for the people of this land. Maybe some of us long to feel that compassion. And I wonder if we do just where we are, we just say, Lord, please. Lord, please just meet us. Break our hearts afresh. Forgive us, Lord, for the distractions. Forgive us, Lord, for the other stuff. Just break our hearts afresh for those who don't know you. Lord, you show us yourself in Luke 19 when you weep over Jerusalem. Our first instinct for those who don't know you should be weeping because they're sheep without a shepherd. Lord, break our hearts for those who don't know you. Forgive us too, Lord, when we've said some people are evangelists and other people's aren't. Lord, we're all witnesses. If we've got a pulse, we're a witness for you. And this next season's going to take all of us doing our bit for you. But I pray right now, Lord, just really believe right now for some of us, Lord, you're just breaking our hearts afresh for those who don't know you. Lord, for those friends and those people we've tried so often with. It's a new season. I pray that we would see this as ground zero for our witnessing to those around us. For some of us with prodigals that we long to see come back to you, Lord. Would this be ground zero for our prayers for our prodigals? But Lord, would you break our hearts, we pray. Would you break our hearts now, we pray. I'm just going to ask before Anne comes in, I'm just going to ask us to do something a bit brave. I wonder if just together we could just pray for this community just begin to raise up prayers for those who don't know Jesus here let's not be too British about it you know let's just begin to cry out Lord I just pray you'd move in power pray you'd do some new things Lord pray you'd move in power Lord pray you'd move mightily Jesus pray you'd move mightily Jesus move mightily Jesus move mightily Jesus Yeah, I just wonder if we could invite the band back as well. Is that okay? Thank you. Mm. 
Yeah, let's keep pressing in, guys. Let's keep pressing in. Jesus, Jesus. Why don't we stand together like we're just like these soldiers. We mean business, you know, not on our watch. Not on our watch, Lord. We're just believing that we can be these soldiers, that we can be these athletes, that we can be the farmers that sow the seed, Lord. We just, we want to see you move in power in this community, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for what you're doing. We want to thank you for how you've been moving. We want to thank you for the multiplication that we're already witnessing, Lord God. But we say we're not okay where we are. We're not okay stopping here. We're just saying, Lord, more, more more, God. Stir up our hearts, fan us into flame with the power of your name, Lord, we pray. Yeah, just just feeling as well, just to pray for more of the Spirit of God on you and and in you and through you um, today, today, that there would be a sense of his presence just empowering you and anointing you to go and, and to be commissioned. And, and I'm just thinking back to what we've been saying about hearts and, and just this sense of saying, God, go to work in my heart. Go to work in my heart. Do whatever you need to do to transform my heart and my life, God. And, and that we surrender to you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. I want to thank you that you are at work here in every one of your children. I can see your hand, your beautiful handiwork in the life of every person in this room right now. I thank you, God, that you care about the detail of their lives, Father, that you are at work in the detail of every decision and every thought and everything that they're doing, every relationship, Lord Jesus, you are at work. You are at work and we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you you see us, that you know us, that you love us, Lord Jesus. And Father, forgive us for when we brush over things. Forgive us for when we we don't take it seriously, what you're saying and what you're doing. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. And I just feel for some of you, it's like you identify with that sense of like the being like a wall that between you and the people or but even between you and the Lord. And you're there saying, I feel a resistance. I feel something in the way of me and the Lord. I feel something is between me and the people. Like, I don't know whether for you that, that wall is a fear wall like it is for me or whether it is that intimidation that you might feel, or just that fear of man in particular. But I just want you to take a moment, if that is you, just honestly, this is the best way we can fight our battles, is just say, sorry, God. Sorry, Lord, for being afraid. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord, for being intimidated. Sorry, Jesus. We confess to you that we felt afraid. We confess to you that there is a wall there, God, and and we're asking that in the name of Jesus that you just take that down today, that that just is destroyed in an instant right now. It comes down right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This is how we fight our battles, that we just come to you and you set us free.
And God, we just pray for our perspective, Lord. We pray that we would see you and just how magnificent and glorious and powerful you are and how small the enemy is. And Lord, we just, again, together, we crush the enemy under our feet today. And we take a stand against the devil's schemes. And we thank you that our fight is not against flesh and blood. And Lord, we ask, open our eyes to see in the spirit realm. Open our eyes, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to understand, Father, that we can take authority over the enemy and not come under him in any way. God, would you help us to rise? Would you help us to lift our head above the storm? Would you help us to soar on wings like eagles, Lord? Thank you, Jesus. And for for some of you, I've just felt like this was actually yesterday, but I just felt that there was maybe a couple of people and you're feeling like, you gave access to somebody or something in your life and you you let it come in. You opened a door of access in your life and you, you let somebody sort of pull you in a direction that you know you were not meant to go in. And you know actually by going with them and listening to them that you are disobeying what the Lord has for you. And I just, I feel like the Lord says to you, you always have a choice. You always have a choice to go another way. You always have a choice to turn around. You always have a choice to repent. And he always forgives. And he always restores. And he always redeems. And he says it's never too late to go with him. We can always choose to turn. And Lord, we thank you that you forgive us. And I I just feel maybe for a couple of you, it's just he's highlighting something. And you know, do you know what? I entered into an agreement there and that is an agreement I need to break. I need to break it and I need to cancel it in the name of Jesus. And I need to turn around and go a different direction. And he just says, here I am waiting, my child. Come, come to me. Come to me. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to leave us in one final thing for probably just four or five minutes. But I just want to release any of us here who you need to slip off and you don't want to feel like you're being un unfaithful or backsliding or not as passionate or that. There are things that people may have on. So if that's you... No, everyone's going to look at you right now when you walk out, <laughs> but no one's going to judge you. Uh, but I just wanted to, I just want to pray for, for two things, and I would love to pray, um, I would love to have an opportunity for anyone here, you need, you almost like a feeling pulled by the Lord to start sharing the gospel, and it needs to start tomorrow. So I don't want you to come just because we like coming forward to church. I want you to come if tomorrow you're prepared to step out. And it might be in a very simple, might be a very unremarkable way. But you know tomorrow you want to start. 
And, and I, I just, the whole time Gavin and Anna have been here, I've just been feeling like the Lord's just saying, the time is now. You know, there's never a good time to, to step out in faith, is there? There's almost never a, a time where we're feeling really good with a following wind and everything's, you know, someone falls on their knees and says, please tell me about Jesus. There's never a good time. So, but I just want to say, will you come forward right now if you know you need to start this? And in many ways, we, we all need to be starting this. But I just feel like for some of us here, you just want to, I, I just want to, what I'm going to do is pray a spirit of fear to be broken and for a release of boldness in sharing the gospel with love, but also with power and authority uh, as you go. So if that's you, what we're going to do is pray for you. But as we do that, we're going to be praying and filling the atmosphere with intercession for the nation. Because I'm, I'm with Gavin. I'm jealous for it not to be just the Iranian church or the Chinese church or the Brazilian church. I'm jealous for the British church to come into fullness and to see the nation turn back to the Lord. We can't go on as we are. We're messing it up left to our own devices. We need the Lord to step in. And so we're just going to fill the air for just for a few moments with intercession for the nation. But if that's you, if you know you need to start sharing the gospel and you haven't, then would you just come forward right now and just stand here at the front? And, and what I'd love to do now, as we gather around, as these guys have done something before the Lord in front of all, all of us, and we're going to pray and lead in prayer in just a moment. But what I'd love is us all to gather in as one body around them, and we're going to come together, one Lord, one faith, one body, one baptism, one, 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 and we're going to pray and lift the nation to the Lord. Uh, and I'm going to lead us in that in just a few moments. But so, folks, let's just come, shall we? Stay in the back if you want to. Don't feel you're being a bad person. But let's just gather in, you know, uh, as if we were in a cave in the underground in the mountains of Iran. And we're just gathering in around Jesus saying, not on our watch, Lord. We're not happy for things to go on as they are. And it's you who need to transform things, Lord. So if that's you, just take a step forward just to let others in behind you. And even as, we, even as we do that, I'm just going to pray for those of us who have responded to start sharing the gospel. I pray, I pray for it for myself, Lord. Lord, we're so sorry where we've made things of this world, people's opinions, um, our, our own anxieties, our own wounds from the past uh, be larger in our leadership of our lives than you are lord and and in the name of jesus on behalf of this church i take authority over a spirit of fear we say i'm so, we're so sorry lord where we've given access to the enemy to intimidate us and to despoil that we're a living temple of god a temple of the holy spirit and we're so sorry lord and right now through repentance we close that access point right now 
and we build back up those defenses by replacing that, by saying, here we are, Lord, send us. Here we are, standing here, and our brothers and sisters who responded this morning, they're responding and we're all responding. We're saying, here we are, Lord, send us. Weak and trembling, foolish, not having the right words, but willing and obedient and desperate to see you move in power. And so in the name of Jesus, I take authority over a spirit of fear. I bind it up. I say, you shall not influence this church. I cast you out of this church in the name of Jesus. And I want to...